is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, over prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode number 84 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is in some way unformidable. And for once, I am going to go way back in the franchise's quirky history. I mean, we've done it a few times, uh, but, uh, you know, the cycle has doubly inspired me, I guess. We did Alex Ochoa last week. Uh, I feel like I skew a little too moderate on this podcast sometimes. I, maybe that depends a little bit on your definition of modern, as I was recently looking through the list of players who are being added to Mets Old Timers Day and keep thinking, but they I remember them just playing. This doesn't seem possible. At any rate, I go back pretty far with the Mets, but not as far as some, so it can be h- harder to focus this podcast on some classic Mets or some original Mets. But I thought it would be fun to do so, as we've done on occasion, Um, even if we're looking back at a reasonably significant, if at times somewhat forgotten, early Met. So even if we are getting close to emptying the tank of Mets who have cycled, let's go back to the beginning, to an original Met, and the very first Met to accomplish a couple of notable feats, including hitting for the cycle, Mr. Jim Hickman. James Lucius Hickman was born on May 10th, 1937, in Hennig, Tennessee. 
Henning, Tennessee, pardon me. He attended uh, both the University of Memphis and the University of Mississippi, and in the pre-draft era signed as an amateur free agent with the St. Louis Cardinals prior to the 1956 season. Ever the kind and polite Southern fellow, Jim was known throughout his career as Gentleman Jim. Hickman could hit for power. He was a, a good athlete, but not a major speedster, although uh, he would primarily play outfield and the corners in the majors, although surprisingly he played a pretty good deal of center field in the majors, uh, particularly with those early Mets. He had a great 1960 at AA Tulsa at the age of 22, and was pretty solid again in AAA at the age of 23, so you know, you'd think the majors would be next, but of course the Cardinals were pretty good then. Not not quite yet the championship team that they would break through in 64, but they were building out that roster, and it was pretty hard for a young outfielder to crack an outfield that featured, among others, Stan Musial and Kurt Flood. Uh, not to mention, although I don't think he moved to the corners till later in his career, Bill White and Ken Boyer at the corner spots. So Hickman might have seemed a little blocked in the organization after five years in the minors, uh, but fortunately for him, or, well, fortunately for his playing time, although perhaps not his professional success of his teams, uh, Hickman was made available in the upcoming expansion draft for the teams that would be at it, joining the National League in 1962. And while the Mets obviously focused much more on, shall we say, over-the-hill veteran names that were made available, you know, the, the, the expansion, what was made available to those teams was not a lot. Um, but, you know, the Mets did not go for team building. They went for veteran names and those particularly with New York ties, I think pretty famously. Uh, but with the 36th pick in the draft that they and the Houston Colt 45s engaged in, the team tabbed Hickman from the Cardinals. And so he would earn some playing time, but go from a team on the cusp of a championship to a fledgling franchise that would set records for losses in its inaugural season. And Hickman was indeed an original Met uh, on that original roster. Uh, he would not appear in either of the franchise's first two games, uh, but ultimately he would play the most games at center field of any Met over the course of the 1962 season. He made his Major League Baseball debut on April 14th, 1962. He would pinch hit for Al Jackson and pop out to short against future Met and former podcast subject Vinegar Bend Mizell, who was with the Pirates at the time. Hickman wouldn't really start to become a lineup fixture until late April, early May. He earned his first Major League Baseball hit and RBI on April 22nd, as the Mets fell to 0-9 in their nascent history. In that April 22nd game, Hickman would actually go 3-for-4. His first hit an infield single that scored Gil Hodges in the second inning. It came against the Pirates' Bob Veal. And Hickman would start the next day and go 0-for-4, but the franchise would fare better and earn its first ever victory as Jay Hook went the distance. On April 23rd, and the Mets beat the Pirates 9-1 to up their record to 1-9. Hickman's first career home run would come some days later in what would be the Mets' second franchise victory ever, and their first ever at their home ballpark, of course, the Polo Grounds. Uh, the Mets 
trailed that game 6-1 to the Phillies, uh, entering the bottom of the sixth. Um, Frank Thomas, Charlie Neal, and Gil Hodges hit back-to-back-to-back home runs in a six-run sixth inning to give the Mets a 7-6 lead. Uh, Hickman came in as a defensive replacement in the seventh, uh, but would deliver a clutch insurance run in the eighth with his first career home run against Ed Keegan, as the Mets would win that game 8-6. to six. But it was on August 7th of 1963 when Hickman truly first wrote his name into the Mets record books, and it came against his former team, the Cardinals. Uh, Hickman entered that game hitting 232 on the season on the season at the time, but that didn't stop the former Cardinal farmhand from racking up four hits that day, uh, leading off the game, which was pretty rare that Hickman was a leadoff hitter, as far as I could see, uh, with a harmless single up the middle. Um, the Mets would score two runs in the second inning uh, before Hickman came up uh, with the and. Double the second run scored on a ground out by the pitcher, so the bases were empty. And that time Hickman doubled uh, to give him his second hit of the game in only two innings. And the Cardinals had cut their deficit to two to one in the top of the fourth, when with two outs and pitcher Tracy Stallard on first base, Hickman blasted a triple to right center, scoring the pitcher and giving himself three hits on the day. Uh, finally. The Mets were up 6-3, and Hickman let off the bottom of the sixth, this time against knuckleballer Barney Schultz, and he blasted one, according to the report I read, over the left field roof, uh, which perhaps that happened. Uh, The newspaper also reported that Hickman earned uh, perhaps the loudest ovation a Met has ever received as the crowd at the polo grounds realized that Hickman had, in six innings, achieved the cycle, And not only that, uh, a natural cycle to boot. Uh, At that point in the season, it was only, at that point in baseball history, I should say, it was only the sixth natural cycle in history. I think it's happened quite a few times since, of course. And again, given his batting average and whatnot, a somewhat unexpected one, I would have to think as Hickman wound up batting only 229 on the entire season. Uh, he did hit 17 home runs in 1963, which is pretty impressive, as the polo grounds could be incredibly spacious as a home park, especially, I think, you know, from left center over from gap to gap at any rate. In fact, you could say Hickman put a bow on the polo grounds himself a month later, as on September 18th, Hickman would hit the last home run ever hit at the historic, long-standing ballpark a solo shot against Chris Short of the Philadelphia Phillies that accounted for the Mets' only run in a 5-1 loss in the final game, the final baseball game ever played at the Polo Grounds. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And of course, Hickman was there in 1964 when the Mets would open up a brand new home ballpark, the glorious, modern, brand new Shea Stadium, and Hickman would indeed start the team's first game at Shea when the team took the field for the first time on Friday, April 17th, 1964. Hickman was slotted in at center field, batting sixth behind Frank Thomas, and he would achieve a couple of Shea Stadium firsts that day. He would record the first walk in stadium history, as well as a second, uh, presumably painful first, enduring the first hit-by-pitch in Shea Stadium history in his second at-bat, which would in fact take him out of the game after he was plunked by the Pirates' Bob Friend. Overall, Hickman had a decent season in 64, improving his average, but a little drop-off in his power numbers, Uh, but it would be with his power that he would etch his name in the Mets record books again the following season of 1965. It would be on September 3rd of 1965. The Mets would suffer through another moribund season. They'd enter the game 44-92, and uh, taking on, again, the St. Louis Cardinals. I guess Hickman really liked to stick it to his former organization, uh, who entered the game a 500 team, a disappointing 65, coming off their 64 World Championship season. And yes, it was another dark Met season, and you really wouldn't know it, but seeds were being planted, and the original Mets were phasing out, as Hickman would be the last to do soon. Hickman would actually start the game at first base, because you know September and a lot of young call-ups came up, and the Mets outfield that day would feature 21-year-old Ron Swoboda and 22-year-old Cleon Jones out there. And Hickman would enter the game in September hitting 212 with nine home runs on the year, so not a stellar season, and again, not an expected accomplishment. Left-hander Ray Sadecki started for the Cardinals, retired the Mets in order in the first, and then struck out the first two batters in the bot- in the top of the second. I, sorry if I said uh, bottom, as the game was in St. Louis at Bush. Uh, and Hickman came up with two outs and no one on in the top of the second, and took a first-pitch fastball the other way into the right center field bleachers to give the Mets an early one nothing lead. Late in the next at bat in the fourth inning, the Mets were up one nothing. Uh, Hickman worked worked it to a three three ball no strike count before this time taking a fastball into the left field bleachers for his second home run of the game off of Sadecki. The Cardinals cut the lead to three two in the fourth, but Hickman would be at it again in the sixth. Uh, Sadecki would walk Ron Swoboda in front of him and Hickman would hit this one over the left field bleachers, uh, estimated at 400-plus feet for his third home run of the game, and to restore the Mets' uh, a three-run lead, making it 5-2 to two at the time. The Mets would go on to win the game 6-3, to three, and Hick- Hickman would get a chance at the elusive four-home run game in the top of the eighth. Uh, you know, we started this talking about cycles, and they estimate that cycles happen about as often as 
no hitters. I, I know a little bit one's a little bit more frequent, but general ballpark and same thing I think with four home run games and perfect games. Uh, at the time, Hickman would have been only the eighth major leaguer to hit four home runs in a game. Uh, by this time, though, his punching bag, Sadeki, was out of the game, and Nelson Bryles was in, in relief. Uh, it, on a 1-1 count, Hickman hit a sharp grounder past third for a single, his fourth hit of the game, but, you know, got on top of it, as he put it, after the game, and... Uh, and actually, interestingly, reading the article about the game, Hickman had homered in his last at-bat against the Cardinals, which took place on you know, weeks before on August 22nd. So he did homer in four straight at-bats against the Cardinals, unfortunately not in the same game. But Hickman would go four for four with the first three-home run game in Mets history in the Mets' 6-3 victory over the Cardinals that day. One other interesting footnote with the three-homer game, uh, it actually made Hickman the Mets' career home run leader at the time, passing Frank Thomas. It was his 53rd career home run as a Met. Um, He would finish with 60 homers as a Met, and he would be on the Mets' top 25 list for quite some time, as as we know, our franchise has been more known for pitching than hitting. So as you could tell, only seven home runs after that uh, he had in... Injury-plagued, uh, 1966, at the age of 29, only appeared in 58 games as a Met, only hit four home runs, and that would wind up being Hickman's last season as a Met. Uh, the Mets traded him after the 1966 season, along with Ron Hunt, to the Dodgers for outfielder Tommy Davis. Uh, at the time of the trade, Hickman was the last of the original Mets, and as of the trade, uh, no other player had been with the team consistently since its opening day 1962 roster. Uh, again, so first met to cycle, first met to hit three homers in a game. A couple of interesting polo grounds, lasts, and Shave Stadium firsts, and the last original Met. In total, he played 624 games with the Mets from 62 to 66, batting 241, 60 home runs, 210 RBIs. Hickman would actually would eventually flourish away from the Mets, having his best season of his career in 1970 at the age of 33. Uh, but just to kind of go through his career a bit from then, he actually was 67 was a very rough season in LA. Uh, again, injury plagued, only 65 games and 98 at bats as a Dodger, no home runs. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if. Uh, the career ended right there, but he would get another chance with the Cubs and flourish. But his year in Los Angeles did let him do one other unique thing, as Jim Hickman got to pitch in a major league game. On June 23, 1967, the Dodgers were down 7-1 to the Giants, and Hickman actually came in for the last two innings of the contest. Uh, Six-run lead, so it would have been allowed, right? Buck, uh, Buck wouldn't have been able to short-circuit it. At any rate, uh, Hickman pitched a scoreless eighth inning. Uh, I, th- I thought it was three up, three down, but he the third batter actually singled and was thrown out trying to stretch it into a double. Uh, but, uh, but then Hickman recorded the first two outs of the ninth inning on pop-outs. Uh, one out away from two scoreless innings as a position player pitching, but unfortunately for Hickman... You're going to expect that it's not going to go too well when a position player gets to pitch to Willie Mays, and you would be correct, as Mays took Hickman way out of the park to spoil his perfect career ERA before he closed out his second inning, but uh, 
two innings, two hits, one earned run, line score is not all that terrible for a position player. Don't want to speak for him, but probably his Dodger career highlight. And after the 67 season, he was traded uh, with future Mets pitching coach Phil Regan to the Chicago Cubs for Jim Ellis and Ted Savage. And that would turn out to be the best thing to happen for Hickman in his major league career. Uh, He would have another sluggish 1968, so really three straight disappointing seasons before having... Uh, four solid seasons as a Cub regular, uh, you know, decent 69, but an incredible 1970. Hickman had what I believe was his fir- first career walk-off home run in memorable fashion for the Cubs in 69 uh, on June 26th. Uh, he hit one on to Waveland Avenue in the bottom of the 10th to lead the Cubs over the Pirates. The victory gave the Cubs a seven-game lead in the new National League East on June 26th and looked like Hickman would finally get a chance to play in the postseason. Uh, The Cubs would maintain that lead for much of the season, uh, holding a five-game lead as late as September 3rd before the hard-charging Amazing Mets, Hickman's former team, caught up and surpassed the Cubs and would go on to the playoffs and, of course, the franchise's first World Series. Got to be a slightly bitter turnaround that the team that you played for and lost for oh so many times denies you that one shot at the postseason. But so it goes. Hickman had statistically what looks to me like a solid 1969. He appeared in 134 games for the Cubs, the most he had played in since 65 with the Mets. Again, he suffered through a few years of injuries. Got 338 at bats, uh, hit a career high 21 homers. Uh, you know, he did only hit 237. So I do find it a tad perplexing that in 1970 he won the National League's Comeback Player of the Year, uh, as he didn't really have that bad a season. Uh, but again, he was a very popular, beloved player, Gentleman Jim. Uh, or perhaps it was just a virtue of how good and how anomalous uh, his 1970 season was. At the age of 33, Uh, Hickman would set career highs in everything, Uh, 149 games, 514 at-bats, 33 doubles, 32 homers, 115 RBIs. He even walked 93 times and struck out 99 times. He was never a walk as much as uh, you'd you'd, uh, strike out. Uh, 315, 419, 582 slugging percentage, a 1001 OPS, 155 OPS plus numbers he literally never approached before and never would again. Uh, He earned an 8th place MVP finish on the year, and notably Hickman earned his only career all-star appearance, and Hickman would once again play a role in baseball lore, uh, etch his name in baseball history in that all-star game as Hickman would replace Rico Cardi in left field and go 0 for 3 in his first all-star at-bats. But in his fourth plate appearance, he came up against Clyde Wright with the potential winning run on second base in the form of Pete Rose. Hickman drilled a single up the middle, and Rose very famously steamed on home, barreling into catcher Ray Fossey at the plate and providing the National League with a 5-4 win and one of baseball's All-Star Game's signature moments as Rose injured Fossey's shoulder and really derailed his promising young career uh, with his takeout of the catcher. 
at the plate in a competitive exhibition game, but an exhibition game nonetheless. Hickman would have strong, solid seasons in 71 and 72, but more in line with his early seasons with the Mets, 19 and 17 home runs apiece. Uh, slightly better batting average, and uh, I guess he learned patience as his career went on, uh, you know, his much better on-base percentage and walk rate. Uh, in fact, those last four years, those four years in a row for the Cubs, 169 to 72, uh, he was his OPS plus was well above 100 each season uh, and above league average. But again, that career year was at age 33 and Hickman was aging and winding down Uh, at the age of 36 in 1973. uh, He did not play much for the Cubs, uh, becoming more of a bench player. Uh, And after the season, they traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals, I guess allowing his career to come somewhat full circle. He spent uh, 50 games in 74 with the Cardinals, getting 60 at-bats, hitting his last two career home runs, four RBIs. Um, But on July 16th of 1974, the Cardinals released him, uh, effectively ending Hickman's major league career. Hickman spent a little time in baseball after his career. He worked as a batting instructor in the Reds system for a bit, and then later on kind of retired from baseball, went back to his home of Tennessee, and ran a farm. Hickman uh, died at the age of 79 in 2016 in Jackson, Tennessee. According to the article announcing his death, at the time of his death even, he still ranked among the top 30 in franchise history in home runs for both the Mets and the Cubs. Let's uh, let's just say it says something, I think, positive about Hickman, but maybe slightly less positive about those two franchises, but nonetheless. He played almost an equal amount of games with those franchises. In five years with the Mets, he appeared in 624 games, and six years with the Cubs, 682 games, although, as I already covered, his numbers were significantly better with the Cubs, uh, even, and that's more dramatic if you look at uh, war, where uh, in six years with the Cubs, he had a 9.1 war, according to baseball reference, and five years with the Mets, 3.6 war. Uh, overall for his career, he was good for 13 war, according to baseball reference. He just got over 1,000 hits, 1,002 in his career, for in 3,974 3, at-bats, 159 career home runs, and a uh, 252, 335, 426 slash line, 760 OPS, 108 OPS plus for his career. And while his best seasons were with the Cubs, perhaps by virtue of his status as an original Met and some of those historic precedents he set for the Mets, it it does seem that Hickman is slightly more remembered as a Met. And in fact, uh, when he passed in 2016, it was the Mets who announced his passing and not the Cubs, uh, as he seems very tied, or a little more tied to the history of the organization uh, as a beloved original Met, which of course makes him, for us, incredibly unformidable. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Uh, please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazing Avenue on all your social medias. And please look for this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.